TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. It's the 7th of May, and it is Scoop Podcast episode 227. Before we get to some Wolves items, I'll cut open a bit of a personal vein. It's been a rough five and a half days or so for our family. My eight-year-old son, Drew, affectionately known as Droogie. Heck, if you listen to Score North, 1500 AM in the Twin Cities metropolitan area on your conventional radio dial. On an HD radio, it's got a fancy FM frequency, and if you are out of of the metro area you can oftentimes podcast shows or listen live at scorenorth.com so you may know droogie from some of his appearances on the radio when i've filled in on the afternoon show so going back a handful of days he started to demonstrate erratic and atypical behavior we were in with a neurologist earlier this week thankfully an eeg test came back normal he the neurologist that is put drew through a bunch of different tests mental and physical he actually passed those tests, which is encouraging. He also did a bunch of blood work on Drew. We're still awaiting those results. And Drew will have an MRI on his brain on Wednesday late afternoon. So we're still seeking clarity. Why, snap of the fingers, he goes from being normal Drew, the Drew that my wife and I have known since he was born, right? I mean, you know your kid. You just, you know your child. And you know when your child isn't him or herself. In this case, we know that this isn't the normal Drew. When, in an instance, he says he scared of my wife and I. He starts talking gibberish. He thinks he's a baby at times. He struggles with some memory loss. It goes in and out though. It might be two minutes later and everything is normal. He's remembering some things, not remembering other things. We've had some issues as him and I have practiced baseball. That's his first passion. If you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up, it's a baseball player. And he loves baseball. And we're struggling with that right now. It's been a battle. We're still in the early stages of this battle. It could be something that's short term. That's our hope. That's what we pray for. That this is short term. Could it be long-term? That's also possible. We just don't know. We don't have a whole lot of clarity outside of the EEG came back normal, which is encouraging, and his neurologist cleared him to go back to school. So here, taping this on Tuesday, he went back to school. We did get a report from his teacher, and it was, for the most part, good. He's not the normal Drew that she knows, but he hasn't been a disruption to the class. He hasn't asked to leave. There are some positive signs. He has baseball practice later tonight. We'll see how that goes. He needs to be constantly monitored, but we are, it feels like, moving in the right direction. We have a rock star neurologist in Minneapolis. I can't speak highly enough of the doctor we are seeing. So again, this is very, very early. I wish I had more clarity. I'm praying for clarity in the very near future, and I hope that Normal Drew returns very, very soon. But in the meantime, I will do podcasts as I can. If he's in school, I can work my normal work day. And among my list of things to do on a weekly basis is one or two podcasts. Normally, it's been two podcasts going back about four or five months. So I hope for the next handful of weeks and months, I can still do two podcasts a week. But there may be times where he just he wakes up and he may not be in a mood where we can send him to school. Well, if that's the case... 
I'll need to be at home with him. So it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride, I think, for at least the foreseeable future. Hopefully not too long, but I just wanted to give you a heads up in the event that maybe I'm not doing two podcasts a week. Who knows? Maybe not even one, just depending on how things shake out. So thank you for those who have listened to this podcast going back weeks, months, years. It's been going on now for over three years strong. We're 227 episodes in, so I think it's working. I think there's enough of a base of people that enjoy listening to this podcast. Hopefully you're getting something that maybe you're not getting elsewhere. So I always appreciate those people who, with so many different options, choose this podcast. So when I'm asking you for a favor, you to choose this podcast over others, I better be completely transparent and share everything going on in my life, especially if the podcast can't be produced like it has been in the past. But I promise you, as I can, I will keep churning out episodes. All right, this will be a Wolves-centric podcast again. It's just, it's been a crazy four or five days. I just haven't had much time to do digging, to reach out to people. I do have some Wolves interviews, so I think I'll make this a Wolves-centric podcast. So hopefully this will entertain you. If you're not a Wolves fan, I apologize. I'll get back to some Vikings notes, Twins notes, Gophers notes, and so on on a future episode. But we'll keep this to Wolves slash basketball because on Amir Coffee, former Gopher, well, current Gopher, right he's still currently a gopher we can't say that he's a former gopher quite yet we may know in about three weeks that he's a former gopher if he keeps his name in the nba draft but anyway draft workouts this week with the warriors and the rockets the bulls the nuggets the nets have also shown interest i continue to hear that he is open-minded not a guarantee but he is open-minded to signing a two-way contract. So even if he doesn't get drafted, he could sign a two-way contract, then bounce back and forth between the G League and the team that he signs with. So it remains to be seen. Let's see how these draft workouts go, but I wanted to keep you updated on Amir Coffey, former Hopkins star, current Gophers forward, one of the best players in the Big Ten heading into next year. That's if he stays with the Gophers. If he decides to go pro, he'll kickstart that career, and hopefully, because I like him personally, I love his family, hopefully he can have a long and prosperous professional career. On Jordan Murphy, I had noted previously, if you listen to this podcast, but now that it's the day of, I'll mention it again, Jordan Murphy in today for a workout with the Wolves. It was a group workout. It also included Roby from Nebraska, Chris Clemens from Campbell. He's a really good scorer. And Jarrell Brantley, a couple other guys as well, Jarrell Brantley from College of Charleston. Then on Thursday, the Wolves are bringing in a bunch of prospects. I know that Jawan Morgan, former Indiana Hoosiers forward, is among those prospects. Morgan has a workout with the Grizzlies beforehand. So he has a workout with the Grizzlies on Wednesday the 8th and Morgan in town for a Wolves workout on the 9th. Then things will ramp up next week with the G League invite. Amir Coffey will be there if he plays well enough. He'll earn an invite to the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago, which is later next week. Gerson Rosas and others with the Wolves will be there working, interviewing prospects, everything ramping up in terms of draft preparation. GM Scott Layden will be there working for the Wolves. I continue to hear that he is going to remain in place as general manager for at least a little bit. Do I think he'll Finish out terms of his contract, two years remaining at over $2 million per year? No, I don't. I think he gets fired. I have a hard time seeing him getting outright fired. Can I see him being reassigned eventually? I can. There's no doubt in my mind that eventually Gerson Rosas is going to bring in at least some of his own people, but I don't think anything is going to happen immediately. I mean, you think about the draft workout set up for today, for Thursday. 
That was Layden. That was Brian Pauga. Others in the Wolves front office, Gerson Rosas, didn't have anything to do with those draft workouts. You think about some of the scouting going back to Portsmouth, some of the other scouting going back multiple weeks. I just think there's been so much draft work already done that I just don't think Rosas is about to blow up the front office. Eventually, yes, there is going to be changes, but immediately, not so much. I continue to think and believe and sense and whatever other descriptive term you want to use that Ryan Saunders will be this team's head coach. I think something to keep an eye on, though, is will Rosas say, hey, Ryan, you need to mix up your staff, specifically bring in a defensive coordinator. Here's a name to keep an eye on. It's a name that Bobby Marks brought up on this podcast going back many weeks. Frank Vogel. It turns out the Rockets tried to bring in Vogel last October to be a defensive coordinator to work under Mike D'Antoni. Now, no guarantee that Vogel would accept such an offer, but just a name to keep an eye on because there is no doubt in my mind that the Wolves need to bring in somebody that can coach defense. I have heard that Rosas is a big fan of former Rockets assistant, current New Orleans assistant, Chris Finch. Doesn't mean that Finch is coming here anytime soon, but if there's ever a coaching change, who knows, a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, if there's an opening on staff, just a name to keep an eye on, somebody that Rosas likes. Phil Mackey of Score North noted pre-Rosas hire that Rosas had a strength coach in his back pocket. I'm still working on a name, but that is something to keep an eye on. David Griffin brought in an excellent trainer from Phoenix to New Orleans. So you think about support staff that Rosas has this great strength coach that has worked with James Harden for a long time. So that is something to keep an eye on when we talk about additions eventually coming to the Wolves infrastructure when it comes to basketball operations. Rosas will have his fingerprints all over, whether it's medical, strength and conditioning, player development, all that stuff. So when you think about strength and conditioning, Rosas is said to have his own guy. Again, that per Phil Mackey of score north. The Wolves have a free agent camp, so this is something that Layden and Pauga and others set up. It's for early June, so it's guys with a little bit of NBA experience, some G League experience, guys that are veterans, not draft-eligible players, but guys that have played professional basketball. It's a free agent camp. The Wolves have done this going back a few years under the leadership of Tom Thibodeau. So Rosas, actually, the word is, actually likes Tibbs. They have a relationship, thinks he's a good coach, and they actually share an agent or an agency. So that is one connection there. Creative Arts Agency represents Rosas and Tibbs. I am still working on the Rosas contractual terms. Obviously, he got a multi-year deal. Obviously, he's making seven figures. But the question is, is he making more than Scott Layden? Does that matter? Maybe it doesn't. But Layden is near two and a half million. I'm told he's north of two million, closer to two and a half million than to two. So I guess I am curious to find out if Rosas is making more money than Layden. It still doesn't matter. Rosas is the boss. Layden isn't. But I'm still curious if Rosas ended up with a contract that pays him more than Layden. I've talked about the process going back on a few episodes with Cheryl Reeve involved, Jim Peterson, others, former Gopher John Thomas. It was a thorough process. The person who led that process is CEO Ethan Casson. I did have a chance when things were good on the home front for about a 36-hour stretch from Thursday night through Saturday late morning to sit down with Ethan Casson, CEO Ethan Casson. Here's my conversation with Ethan Casson on how he and his team ended up hiring Gerson Rosas. And I'll play you that conversation back after I first tell you that the Scoop Podcast is brought to you by North Memorial Health. That's where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible, just like your family treats you. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. North Memorial Health. Here is Ethan Casson. Ethan, let's just start with your emotions right now. I mean, is it 
a sense of excitement? Is it relief? Is there some anxiousness just looking forward to next week when Rosas is officially introduced? Just take us through your emotions right now. Maybe a little bit of all of those things, to be honest. It's been an incredible process, um, but we, we, we were in it for about a month. Um, and so there's a version right now where I'm feeling really good about where we ended. Um, most excited about Monday when we do a press conference and can introduce Gerson Rosas to our fans, uh, to all of you, uh, to our staff. Uh, that part, I, I think it'll all kind of settle in on, on what's been going on here over the last four-plus weeks. And um, to think about when the season ended, um, we, we really got right into what we wanted this position to be and what was the type of person that we thought could fill uh, this position and uh, you know truthfully I think Glenn and I started with a conversation that could have included anywhere from 25 to 30 different uh, individuals front office executives I mean you, you want to start kind of wide mm-hmm. and then you begin the dialogue of you know fit experience um, where they would kind of marry up to other staff uh, how they would fit inside of our organization and our marketplace with our roster with our players so you, you kind of go through the due diligence of not just who they are and what they've accomplished, but how does it actually work here uh, with our franchise in the state that we're currently in. Led us to about four or five people that we felt amazing about. Um, and starting with, you know, last week, you know, every other day, uh, we brought a different candidate in, and all of them did an incredible job. Thrilled with the fact that it was a very difficult decision, um, but ultimately felt amazing about where we landed with Gerson. How does Gerson check all those boxes that you just listed off? He checks a lot of boxes. Um, I I think first and foremost, there was a sense from the very beginning part of the interview. uh, We had some initial dialogue uh, together on the phone. But the initial interview with multiple people throughout our organization, it was clear he was here to interview for the Timberwolves president of basketball operations and not a position inside of an NBA team as the president of basketball operations. And I'm not suggesting the others didn't present it quite that way. But this was... This, this felt like this is where he wanted to be. Uh, he had interviewed and, and came very close on a couple of other jobs that were pretty well reported and documented over the last two years. Um, but he started with a holistic vision. And to start off with a holistic vision of not just where we're currently at, to be able to articulate that throughout the process, but then really talk to us about the execution. I mean, down to 30, 60, 90-day plans to what we want to be in one year, three years, and five years. You know, that's, that begins to take that conversation to next level. Um, and there were other things along the way that just made us f- feel like maybe this is the right one for us at the right time. All right, we'll spill some of those details. I mean, what did he lay out to you? Let me give you the five-year plan. Well, no. sure. But how about even one year? And Hey, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. I mean, yeah. what were some of the visions that he had? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, understanding, you know, player development, um, his point of view on how important that is. Um, not just on the court, but off the court. And this is somebody that's had a huge role in the success of their G League team. Uh, And that really jumped out at us. Again, as we've now are going to be entering our our third season with the Iowa Wolves, the Development League, the G League has never been more important to the NBA. As you think about the future and you think about roster spots and the two-way players, his understanding as the general manager and running that organization was something that was critical. Uh, someone that really understood who we wanted to be as an organization. Words like alignment, words like collaboration, um, and not talking about it in a silo of just basketball only, talking about it as one organization. That really uh, was something that, that, that uh, manifested itself throughout the day. His understanding of our roster, his understanding of Carl 
and not just how great Carl is as a player, but the future of Carl and how much how much better he can even be. Um, and and again, the marketplace, the fans, um, and 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 the task at hand. Now, we were very honest about where we're at and where we need to go, and he was very direct about what those things are. Where do you need to go? I think it's I think it's about infrastructure. I think it's as we talked about. There, there's a vision component to this. What is it? There's a, a, a component to it of can we articulate it, and then can we execute on that vision? And I think someone like him, with 17 years of experience inside of Houston, working with Daryl Morey, who's, you know, not if not the best general manager or basketball mind in the NBA, certainly top three, top five, having that institutional knowledge and then customizing it for our roster, for our organization, is is huge. But infrastructure, so much about that, you know, player care, player development, um, free agency drafts, uh, the maturation of a current roster, uh, the creativity around that roster. All those things are so critical and important. Um, and, and so each one of those boxes was checked. And this is somebody that's not just ready, uh, but ready to lead our organization into the next chapter. It was last Friday that he was here. I mean, did you know instantly, did the group, you, the others in the room, know instantly after you walked out that, okay, this is the guy? I think we knew instantly that this was somebody that was going to be a serious, serious candidate. And needed to be taken seriously into consideration around getting this opportunity uh, to visit with Glenn and, and maybe have a conversation around what this job could look like from Glenn's point of view and Gerson's point of view. I think we all felt that. Um, but I would tell you, each interview that we had, there was a version throughout those interviews uh, that felt a little bit like that as well, which speaks again to how happy we were with Calvin Booth and Chauncey Billups and Trajan Langdon. All of them came in so prepared all of them will be a general manager or president in this league. Um, and, uh, and, and we just felt Gerson w- was most ready for this job, and we couldn't be more happy. You talked about this being a month-long process, but even circling back, you know, whether it's 45 days, 60 days, 90 days, did you always know that once you guys made the move on, on Tom Thibodeau that, that you were going to hire eventually some president of operations that the infrastructure currently in place with Scott Layden leading the front office, that that would change? I think we want to evaluate it. Uh, I don't think we were thinking anything about the rest of the year, frankly. Uh, we made the decision with Tom. Uh, it was a difficult decision uh, to make, uh, considering uh, what he was able to accomplish, and he deserves a lot of credit for that, um, getting us back into the postseason, someplace we haven't been in a long period of time, and Tom's work and his, and, and his staff's work to put us in, in, that, in that area uh, was a, a tremendous thing for our franchise and our franchise's history. I don't think at that period of time you're thinking, you know, who has this seat next. I think at that pe- period of time you're trying to give as much support to Ryan as the interim coach, to Scott Layden as the general manager as you possibly can. And I'll tell you from that point um, to the end of the season, um, even during the last couple weeks, you know, both of them have been incredible and tremendous, uh, as, as we knew they would be. Um, Scott Layden is one of the most experienced basketball executives in the NBA. Um, his, his capacity, uh, his willingness to be a great teammate, his willingness to, to support an organization, people inside the organization, is tremendous. And Ryan, I, I think, did a phenomenal job, as does Glenn and a lot of others, on what he did not just with our players, which he really connected with, you know, some adverse situations, injuries, the time of year in which we, we asked him to go and, and be put in that position. So very happy with that. At no point during that period of time are you thinking, let's start building out the new staff. But as the season started to kind of wind down, we began a dialogue around, should we be considering a position, a leadership position, um, and really a, a, a piece to the puzzle 
You know, it, it is, in fact, in charge of our basketball operations. But as you'll hear from Gerson on Monday and other interviews, this isn't about him. This is about we. This is about all of us. This is, just happens to be a very important position in that all of us kind of mentality. Well, in terms of him building his staff, how much leeway does he have, whether it's to hire the coach that he wants to hire, to hire other bodies in the front office? I think it was important to go into the interview process with all candidates, open-minded uh, and honest, and open-minded by this is your position. If, in fact, you get it, uh, you should have that flexibility. Uh, we're hiring you to, and, and want to grant you that flexibility, but also honest in how we feel about maybe what, what work had been done since uh, we made some of those changes. Uh, and I, I think there's, there's truth in all of it. I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of talent in this building. And, and Gerson, as others, uh, identified you know, what that talent is and who those folks are. A lot of these folks know each other. They've worked with each other. They, uh, they've spent time with one another. It's, it's a great camaraderie that takes place inside the NBA circles. So flexibility to, to make changes as needed, 100%. Open-mindedness to, to use the institutional knowledge we have in the building uh, as a competitive advantage, as a transition, absolutely as well. Specifically on Ryan, I mean, was it implied? Was it told to Gerson that hey, we really enjoyed the work that Ryan did, that he's in a position to be this team's full-time head coach? We were honest about the work that he had done, and, and Gerson, to his credit, had already done all the homework and research and watched all the games and, and had a clear idea exactly just how good of a coach that Ryan has the has the potential to be. Um, but again, that'll be a conversation that Gerson and Ryan have, I would imagine, very quickly. Um, but I think it's about Gerson Rosas, the announcement on Monday, um, and then moves and conversations that can happen coming out of that. What will surprise us about Gerson? Um, great question. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I, 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 there's um, uh, what would surprise us about Gerson? Um, or maybe what surprised you? I mean, you're talking to him on the phone. Yeah. But then you bring him in. Did anything surprise you from your phone conversations then meeting him in person? I think, I don't know if it was surprise. There was, um, this was, this is somebody that's so ready to take this on. This is somebody that's so ready uh, to embrace the opportunity. Um, so maybe surprise is the wrong word. But, you know, I've had a chance to spend a little bit of time with his wife. Um, I see how important this is for them as a family, for him as a professional. And I just think there's something that can be, um, I think special things can happen when people are so passionate about it. It's not a job. Um, this is a change in their life. This is them moving to the Twin Cities. Uh, they've got you know, family and roots inside of Houston. Um, and his willingness and openness to come in and do all the things that we need to do to kind of reset where we've been, to build consistency, to be a sustainable team that's winning basketball games on the court, someone that actually acknowledges how much work we need to make sure we're doing off the court. I'm not sure I was surprised, but, but I, was, I, was, I was very happy uh, and, and excited about kind of what he was thinking already about a job he hasn't even gotten. The news came out that he was set the interview for the, for the Washington job. I don't even know if that happened or not, but did that speed up your process when, when you found out that the Washington Wizards had interest in him? It didn't speed up our process. I mean, we, we were pretty far down the path uh, with all of the candidates. Um, we were aware of it. Um, it's, our, it's, it's this league. Things happen uh, very quickly. Um, we weren't going to overreact to it. Again, going back to what I said earlier, there was a sense uh, from me, uh, there was a sense from others that interfaced and, and met with Gerson along the way, and I certainly believe uh, Glenn sensed the same thing, that this is the job he wanted, this is the market he wanted to be in, and this is the franchise he wanted to help run. As you're vetting him out, I mean, how many different people did you talk to? A lot. 
you know, you wanted to try to get as many different points of view as possible. And it wasn't just about, you know, tell me everything we want to hear. Um, and that's part of this as well. I mean, the, the opportunity for Gerson to partner with Daryl and have 17 years of, of success, you know, winning, I think one of the winningest franchises in the NBA, certainly over the last 15 years, that was a piece of this. Uh, equal to that, though, is what kind of adversity have you faced in your life? You know, what were, the, what were the years where a player acquisition didn't work out? What were the years that challenged you professionally? What were the years that, that were more difficult that might, we might not be aware of? And you almost want to drill in more to that mm-hmm. um, than the obvious things of Hall of Fame players that they've had over the years and almost, you know, championship runs, championship banners. Think of some of the coaches and players that have come through that organization. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's the adversity points of time that actually speak to the character uh, of the individual and in this particular case Gerson um, and that adversity and that history and that experience really really uh, resonated with us. Well more specifically I mean I guess Dallas 2013 it's well documented. He took the job he was there for two three months then he abruptly leaves. Were you comfortable with the way he explained what took place there in Dallas? We were very comfortable. Uh, We certainly wanted to know about it. Uh, We certainly wanted to, to to engage in and around it. Um, and it's probably a question that he should speak to directly since it was him. Um, it was a choice he made uh, to not just accept the job, um, but resign from the job. So I, I'll, I'll leave um, the process and the outcome for him to speak to. Uh, but certainly it was a conversation we had and, and a conversation we really wanted to dive into as deep as we could. Was it pretty universal? I mean, from Jim Peterson to Cheryl Reeve to John Thomas to Ryan Tankey, to you, to Glenn, to Becky, to others that interacted with him that, okay, we have our guy. Everyone came away feeling uh, very excited about uh, not just who he was in that, in that interview, uh, but what he potentially could lead us to be. So, I mean, you knew. I mean, right, even maybe even before Chauncey got here on Monday? I don't, I, you know, I, or did I, you want to go through with the Chauncey no, interview just, I, to, just to make sure? No, I don't even think it was a make sure. I, I, think, I think all of the interviews... You know, and again, this isn't uh, lip service. We were blown away. We were blown away at the candidates. We were blown away at what they brought. We were blown away at, at, at their interest level. Um, and all of them, you know, and this is partly why we set it up the way we set it up, they're all very different from one another. So as excited as everybody might be um, after a first interview or excited after candidate two comes in uh, in a second interview, excited as you might be, you know, with, with the third one, um, you know, there's moments in all of those uh, you know, days where you're like, I could see this. I could see this working. And 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 if anything, it pushed us to deep a little, di- you know, d- deep a little digger or deeper. It pushed us to challenge each other a little bit on you know, and on fit. It pushed us to think about five years from now and three years from now and thirty days from now. Um, and I would tell you, the interview we had with Chauncey was as, was as good as all of them. Again, it, this is about fit. What we're looking for right now. And we believe strongly that Gerson was the right choice. We know he's the right choice, and we can't wait for Monday. As you self-analyze, I mean, you've been here a long time. As CEO, you have your fingerprints all across this organization. But from a public standpoint, this big hire, I mean, this is, this is it for you. How do you evaluate the job you did? Appreciate you framing it up that way. Thanks. I hadn't thought of it, <laughs> hadn't thought of it quite that way. Um, you know, I, it's less to do with that, to be honest. And, and that's why I think I set up the interview process the way I did. Um, I didn't want this to be a decision that was made in a vacuum. I didn't want this decision to be made as a, you know, as the person o- overseeing business, you know, starting to interfere into basketball. I didn't want this to be about the past. 
I didn't want this to be about power or anything else like that. I wanted it to be a collaborative effort of finding the best candidate to give us the best chance. And so that's why when you mentioned the types of people that were involved, all of these people are incredible leaders. Mm-hmm. I just happened to you know, put the group together, and certainly Glenn was the one uh, that empowered me that opportunity to do that. So, yeah, I recognized the role I played in it. Uh, but if anything, I, I think I just pieced it together and let it kind of organically t- take shape. So you started with a list of 25 to 30? Was that your own list? Or, I mean, were people calling you saying, hey, can I be involved? I think there's a version of 25 to 30 or so of, of folks that you, that you recognize um, are talented, um, could be a potential candidate to look into. Uh, and then very quickly, you start to kind of go through the process. And again, I'll give Glenn a tremendous amount of credit. Um, he had it in his mind that not necessarily who the person was going to be, but what he'd like to see characteristics-wise, tangibles, intangibles, what, what mattered the most to him. That gave me what I needed to maybe go back into that pool and identify, you know, again, four to five folks that we wanted to talk with first and then bring in face to face. So you don't meet with 25 people, but you've got to start with, you know, the folks that are in this league or folks that are around this league, whether it's in a broadcast capacity or a former player capacity. You want to start with that so you're not missing anything. And I, and I really believe we didn't miss anything as it relates to the search. Let you go after two more. All right. So, you know, you bring them in on Monday. I mean, hit the ground running right away. I mean, you guys have some draft workouts Tuesday, Thursday. I mean, so is he done in Houston, or will he still be involved with the Rockets as they – I mean, who knows? Maybe they yeah. end up coming back against Golden State and go on a little run here. Or is he hitting the ground running? Yeah, he, he, he's all Minnesota Timberwolves, um, yeah, and, uh, and he's ready. His family's ready. Um, he, I mean, this is somebody, you know, as prepared as anyone I've ever seen, more organized – um, I would imagine he's already strategized and, and is, is chomping at the bits to get here and meet the staff. Um, Monday will be an incredible day for him and his family. Um, but coming out of that, he, he's going to want to get to work and recognize just how important of a period of time this is for us as a company. His Latin background, can that be viewed as a good thing as you try to connect with, with that fan base here in town that exists? And, and I don't know how involved they are with your organization, how involved you want them to be, but considering he's the first, what, Latin American president of operations in the league. And the history of the league. And the history of the league. And, I mean, and that's an incredible accomplishment, yeah. it, you know, it, we, going back to the candidates that, that we selected. Again, diversity uh, was, it was important to us. Um, inclusion is important to us. We're an organization that talks about it every single day. Um, it's not the only reason why you go down a path, but it's a big part of what led us down uh, a handful of paths. And Gerson, you know, is representing, if you think about it, you know, something that's never been done before uh, to carry that torch, to embrace that torch, I think is a really special thing. And to, an- to answer your question, I-, I think there's plenty of things we can do within that community. Uh, but more as important as that community, I think is what else can we be doing uh, in and around the Twin Cities with diversity and inclusion across a number of different segments. It's not just a Latino kind of mindset. I think that opens the door to a lot of different things. It opens the doors to, you know, certainly trying to find uh, more qualified women to work in and around front offices and coaches uh, and things of that nature. So this is just another step toward many more steps that we're hoping to take. There was a candidate that bailed out. Did that disappoint you? It didn't bail out. There was a candidate we had a conversation with that we identified um, as one of five that ended up being four that we really liked, uh, Michael Winger from the, from the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, we had a conversation, never came out for a face-to-face interview. 
um, ended up staying in Los Angeles uh, with uh, with their front office, which is an incredible front office. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and Steve Ballmer. Which is completely understandable. Yes. I'm just wondering, yes. any disappointment that you couldn't get him to town, that he decided to not even come to town? I think we enjoyed the conversation. I think if we had gone through the process, um, you know, that, that could have been a little bit uh, different uh, of an emotion. I appreciated the, ca- the candor. I enjoyed the, the time we spent talking. You know, it was more philosophical than anything. I think he's a great representative of what they're building. I think he works for a great organization. He works for a great owner. Uh, and again, we got four great candidates to come here, and all of them did a, a heck of a job. That was Wolves CEO Ethan Cass in a conversation I had with him on Friday afternoon. We'll hear from Rostas in just a second. Let me tell you about North Memorial Health. They help sponsor the Scoop Podcast. They have over 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They are more than a team. They're your health family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means putting a big smile on your face when you walk through the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family. In a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to achieve your best health. Step up your health care game. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. All right, I wasn't able to attend the Rosas News Conference on Monday morning. Just everything going on on the personal front. But my colleague Joe Schmidt, my boss, one of my dear friends, one of my mentors, heck, my rock in so many different ways. Joe Schmidt was able to make it to the Rosas News Conference on Monday. And afterwards, he had a conversation with Rosas. Let me replay that conversation. Joe Schmidt with Gerson Rosas. Tell me about why this is a good fit here for you and for the Timberwolves. It starts at the top. Um, you have a partner like Glenn and, and Becky Taylor and what they care about, what their vision is, what their philosophy is, what's important to them is important to me. Uh, and you add in a market uh, that's it's a the Twin Cities are a great place, uh, not only for the organization, but for families. And for me, this was a family decision at this point in time in my career. Not only do I want to do great things professionally, but I want to do great things by my family. And the opportunity to have uh, to come to a market and to write the next chapter for my family was very important. I think Glenn and Becky represented those values um, at a super high level. So as I went through the process uh, and understood what was here and what their vision was and what their focus was, uh, I felt the connection. Uh, Glenn felt the connection, and we knew that we could move forward and work together on this. You want to win. Uh, how long a rebuild is this? I, I wouldn't even use the term rebuild. Uh, one of the reasons why this is such an attractive place is you're talking about an organization that was in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, and the reality is things happen. This past year has been rough. There were changes. There were trades. There were decisions. Uh, and that sets back an organization. So my job is to bring everybody back together, uh, top to bottom, basketball operations, uh, the organization as a whole. I look forward to working with Ethan. Uh, but it's, it's not a rebuild. There's a lot of good talent on this team. I think we're going to realign ourselves in terms of coaching, in terms of front office. Uh, we're going to maximize our roster. Uh, we've got a great player in Carl Anthony Towns uh, that I, I have a lot of faith and confidence that he's going to lead us uh, to a very high level. Uh, and then we got to do our job. we got to fill this roster as best as we can. We have to develop our players as best as we can. And then working together with the head coach, uh, a powerful alignment and a powerful relationship to get the most out of this team day in and day out. Do you have any limitations on naming a head coach for this franchise? 
No, Glenn has been very fair to me. Um, and, you know, I, I respectfully want to be thorough and diligent, uh, evaluate everything. I've been through processes like that, and I've actually benefited from it. Um, but I'm looking for partners. I'm looking for individuals that have the same vision in mind and have the same goals and objectives. And I want to be fair to what's here in the organization and the potential partners that are part of this group. Obviously, Ryan Saunders is the guy you're talking about there. How does how does it work out? How are you going to make this uh transition either if it's with him or without him well you know fortunately i've known ryan a long time uh, and you know our paths have crossed uh, he's done great work uh, the feedback from glenn and becky has been one of very positive considering all the situations and everything that takes place um, but you know ryan and i are going to have serious conversations in terms of vision next steps you know how we do this together how can we be aligned and collaboratively build this team out so uh to be fair to him i want to hear his thoughts i want to hear his visions and i want to hear his plans he's done a heck of a job considering everything and i look forward to those conversations will you talk to other potential coaches um you know i'm going to start with ryan and we'll go from there but fortunately um, glenn taylor we're going to get the best here uh we want a world-class organization we want a structure uh, that's collaborative and we want partners in place and i want people to be passionate about minnesota and about the twin cities and about the program we have here and I want people that connect with our players. So the bar is going to be high. Uh, we're going to be thorough. We're going to be diligent. Uh, we want to build out the best group that we can here. You don't have a lot of salary cap money to work with. How big of an issue is that? You know, the reality is you're going to have constraints in some shape or form. For me, um, we're going to maximize every resource. What we have available, we'll look at. Uh, we're going to look at every market in terms of what we can uh, glean from it, You know, whether it's the draft with a, with a high-end pick there, uh, free agency. We're going to be very creative. We only have the cap space we have, but we also have a lot of flexibility in terms of sign-in trades and other um, tangible opportunities where we can address needs there. Um, the trade market, you know, we want to do whatever we can to put the most talent on this roster, and that's going to be a process. Uh, but one thing you can be assured of is we're aggressively going to look at every avenue to address all those needs. You like the analytics, and you've had success with analytics. Can be a big part of this program? Uh, absolutely. I think. Um, it's going to be a happy marriage. It's a balance of basketball and analytics. I think analytics is a great reference point. You don't make decisions just off the analytics. You know, there's things that can't be enumerated. You're dealing with the human factor. So we're going to take everything into consideration, but I think it lends for itself for a lot of great debate, a lot of great discussions, and a lot of great conversations in terms of how you mold your philosophy, your roster, uh, your player selection decisions, even your strategy decisions. So it definitely has a place, but we've got great individuals here with great basketball institutional knowledge and we want to marry those processes to be the most educated organization when we make a decision there's no secret formula it's about making educated decisions and see what the results are and learn from it you've been a big part of the process down in houston but you've never sat in the big chair but you got to make the final decision are, are you ready for that are you anxious for that i'm excited about it and at the end of the day you have visions you have passions how you want to build a program out it's not going to be done alone by me i look forward to having the best staff we can have to make those decisions but it's done collaboratively you know from my perspective to the coaching side even to ethan's side uh, you know, we're going to work through those decisions together. We want a lot of talented and bright people here where those decisions are decisions that are made with purpose and good processes. One last question. I heard you in the news conference talk a little bit about Andrew Wiggins. How can you help Andrew Wiggins reach his potential? 
we're going to invest anything and everything to help Andrew Wiggins become the best player that he can be, you know, on the court, off the court, uh, player development, our style of play, um, how we play on both ends, the roster that plays around him and Carl. We want him to be successful. I know he wants to be successful. I've spoken with him. He's motivated. And to be fair to him, he's a young player. Um, you know, maturation takes time. It's a patient part of the process. You know, I live with a guy in Houston, James Harden, who's unbelievably now at, at 29 years of age, he's winning his MVP and he's doing great things. So maturation takes time, but we want to make sure that we're invested, he's invested, and then we get the best out of him. Joe Schmidt with Gerson Rosas. It would be nice if Wiggins was in town right now for informal workouts. It's Jared Terrell, it's Keita Bates-Diop, it's Josh Okogie, and it's Cam Reynolds. Those guys getting put through workouts by John Lucas III and others over at Mayo Clinic Square, although that's encouraging compared to last summer when there was just so few interactions, players, with development coaches, with the coaching staff. So the fact that players are in town here in early May, regardless of who it is and who it isn't, just the fact that there's any players in town right now is encouraging. And I have no doubt in my mind when Ryan Saunders, and again, I think it's a matter of when, not if, when Ryan Saunders is named full-time head coach, things will ramp up on the individual basis, individual workout basis and development basis even more so. And I say individual, but you know, you can work out two, three, four guys at a time. But the idea is to have a lot of guys in town throughout the summer. All right, I need to get to the younger son's baseball practice. I'm coaching his team. Life just doesn't slow down. Life is complicated at times. It's great at times, right? And it has joys and it has frustrations. We're dealing with some frustrations with the older son right now. Hopefully we'll get some clarity, full clarity in the near future. But hey, the younger son still needs lots of time, lots of attention. So I got to get to his baseball practice. So I appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 227. Hi, this is Daniel Rue of the Real GM Radio Podcast. And while the NBA season is still pretty new, there are some interesting storylines going on. And for me, one of them is, let's call it a shift in expectations, because there are a couple teams that we expected to be not necessarily pushing the accelerator in the early going in the season, maybe seeing Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, this purportedly strong 2023 draft class, and going, hey, we could be a part of that. And that would be the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. Both teams are over 500 with some nice wins. And this isn't fluke. They're playing well so far, and so we will see how they build on this, how they react to it. Do they keep pushing, see if see it can keep going, or do they change directions through trades and everything else? So that'll be something to watch in this year where the draft class is, is strong and these teams have incentives going in both directions. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue from the Real GM Radio Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, in-depth analysis, and live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Can check in on your favorite games and events, including the baseball playoffs, start of the hockey season, MMA, boxing, and golf, plus sports podcasts. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts.